0: And if you stand there long enough, you start to see it really come to life. You start to see all the little creatures and bugs and bees and how they interact with each other and the petals that fall in the light, how it changes. And and that's kind of what happened to me with life is that France made me stop at the field and look at it. And then I could really start seeing all these incredible details that just come along with existing and being alive that I had taken for granted and I hadn't seen in so long.
1: You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty-gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And
2: we're your hosts, Emma and Mary Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer, a slow living apparel and lifestyle brand. We started this podcast as a means
1: to further share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having constantly in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm. One that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. Come
2: cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now let's dig in. Good morning, Mom. Good morning, Emma. How are things over there in D.C.?
1: It's really, really lovely outside right now. It's sunny, not too cold. Um, it's really felt like actual spring this week. And things seem to be sort of easing up with the, with the quarantine. Not really officially, but it seems like there's an end in sight, I think. And spirits seem high. So it's, it's been kind of really lovely and feels new this week. What about at the farm?
2: Well, out here in the country, um, we've had already a few frosts since the weekend, so it's been kind of hard on the farmers out here. Uh, we know that a couple of the wineries in right in our area, our neighbors have actually lost a good bit of their grape crop. Um, we don't know exactly what the damage is yet, but... Um, once again, a reminder that Mother Nature is in control. So, but at the same time, it is warming up. I think I think we're done with the frosts for now for the the season. Hopefully, it was really late this year. Um, but the weather report is looking good. The sun is out, and as you say, there seems to be light at the end of the tunnel on the quarantine, at least for the moment. So, yeah onward moving forward
1: yeah that's so stressful to be so dependent on the weather like that it's um to me it makes me think it's a reminder about why there's you know like in in certain cultures there's like rain dances and entire ceremonies and cultures and religions built around you know the weather because it's just so we depend on it so much and when you're in the city easy to forget about that. Cause my only, my only dependence on the weather is whether or not I can go outside.
2: <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned the you know, the rain dances, the rituals to try to have an effect on the weather. Um, the modern day version of that is, um, they will get out the night of the frost and they there's these big machines that will stir up the air to try to mix some of the warmer air into the cooler air to try to um raise the temperature a degree or two because like one or two degrees can can have a profound effect on the whole crop. Yeah. And then there's the other method of they'll they'll get heaters and in their little carts and drive up and down the rows and try to raise the temperature a little bit. So, yeah, that's oh like, goodness. I guess the mo- modern day version of the rain dance, um, you know, humans always, hu- humans always, uh, you know, want, want to try to do something, of course, and you're out there trying to save your crop, save your season. Um, yeah. It's yeah. Out here, it's it's funny. It's just what we're about an hour apart from each other, but in a completely different environment. So yeah. it's very interesting. So
1: this week's episode, I'm so excited to put it out. And also we kind of are breaking our schedule of, of every other week episode because um, we did this interview just a couple of weeks ago, you know, when things were still very unknown though. And now France has lifted their quarantine, at least to a certain degree. And um, Jamie Beck, our wonderful guest artist and guest and interviewee, she lives in France. And a big part of our conversation had to do with her experience in quarantine and this project that she's working on in quarantine, which was creating uh, a work every single day and photographing it. Um, And you can go on her website and there you can see the full 60 days of quarantine kind of laid out in chronological order and it documents her process, which is so fascinating, and really beautiful to follow along with and watch. And she's just a delightful human and it was so fun hearing her talk about her process and her experience. And uh,
2: yeah, we really just wanted to get this episode out. I really enjoyed talking to her so much. It was such an inspiring and fun conversation and especially interesting is um, the fact that Jamie and her husband and now their child, they actually sought out a more slow living lifestyle by by moving to France and she'll tell you the story in the episode and uh, some of her reflections and observations about life in New York versus life in Provence are really, really interesting. And I hope you enjoy it. And although we know, of course, that not everyone's going to move to Provence to find their simpler and more slowed down life, the same things apply in many cases. The same thought process, the same approach, the same intention applies to getting out of the rat race in your head and moving into a more peaceful existence. So yeah, of course. Yeah. And as we talk about a little bit in our,
1: in our conversation, because I lived in France for a little while, twice, I studied abroad there and I moved back to um, work as an English teacher. So I feel a real kinship with France and French culture and Jamie and I talked a little bit at the beginning of this interview about our experiences and we say that um, and I think anyone who's experienced this knows that as you just said mom it's really about the f- the feeling in your head and, and your mental place but the thing with France is like everyone is kind of in that mental place and the, the country is it's much older and it's kind of built on this this culture of slow and in America we're so young and, anyways, we talk about this in in the interview, but it's a really interesting kind of perspective to see how your your outer environment affects you, but also it's really all about what's going on on the inside. I agree.
2: So, I hope everyone enjoys this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. It was really, really fun. Jamie's a delight.
0: Actually, one of the the, when when I first moved to France and I was kind of unwinding from life in America and life in New York, one of my friends said, "Well, maybe you could take the lessons you've learned in France and then just apply it back in America. So try to like live this slow living lifestyle back in the United States." I was like, "Yeah, that's a good idea," but I think I'm just gonna stay in France. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought about this too. I don't think it would work because what's
1: so neat about it in France is like everyone is kind of on the same page with it. Yeah, it's everyone so plays along. cultural.
0: Yes. Yeah. There, I mean, there, during this stay-at-home quarantine isolation situation, there are some days where Kevin and I are like, it just feels like a normal Sunday in France. You know, it's not like totally right. bizarre. It's like everyone like chills out once or one, one or two days a week anyways, so it's not like, it doesn't feel apocalyptic.
2: I remember when Emma was teaching over there, and she said, uh, Mom, you're only spo- supposed to work or teach so many hours a week. They, they don't want you to work over that. And I thought that was right Yeah, remarkable. my visa
1: strictly forbade me from working more than
0: uh-huh, 12 hours a week. <laughs> Oh wow, I love
2: it. Yes, yeah, like but it's in, great.
0: Uh, it keeps everyone. slaves to paychecks. You know, uh, I know uh, so awesome. And then uh, uh, about
2: the food, she described how in this preschool, um, the children, the babies, like just little tiny kids, were served. You know, their different courses.
0: Yeah, pickle and, herring. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is in. Yeah, Eloise is in Crush. Well, she was. It's closed right now and yeah they have like three course lunches it's just fabulous and it's always it's organic and the meal the menu for the week is posted every Monday so we can see what she's eating and they give us like every time when I pick her up they give us a rundown of what she ate and what she liked and what she didn't it's just really cute and like what region the cheese was from that day so cute
2: One summer, we volunteered in Costa Rica as a family, did one of those volunteer vacation things, and we worked in a preschool. And and this was back in 2002, and I was so amazed. The ladies, the teachers showed up, like, at 6 in the morning with, like, fresh fruit and, like, a whole chicken, and they just started, like, making, like, this real food, like, at 6 a.m. And so when the kids came in, you know, an hour later or whatever, they started getting the fresh frozen fruit juice and the freshly made corn cakes and all. It was just oh. amazing.
1: And, then, and what's so funny about that is we thought we were there, you know, to help them, this poor little school in Costa Rica that didn't have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, here we are, we're going to help. And um, we're like jaw to the floor. Well, I, I was like 11, so I didn't really get it. But my mom was like, um, excuse me, these kids are like so much better nourished than yeah. any kid in any school in America,
0: yeah, yeah that was crazy. <laughs> the, the food in schools in America is just—it's—I—it's it's criminal. It's awful. I can't yeah. believe it.
2: Anyway, I—I I wonder if you could tell our audience a little bit about just introduce yourself and tell who you are and kind of how how you got to where you are now and what you're doing now. What's your a little bit of your story?
0: All right, so my name is Jamie Beck. I am a photographer. I started, I picked up my first camera when I was 13 years old. My mom gave it to me. And I can still remember looking through the viewfinder for the first time. It was just transformative and magical. And it began my lifelong obsession with photography. So I grew up in Texas and I went to college in New York City at the Fashion Institute of Technology where I studied commercial and fashion photography. and after I graduated, I stayed in New York and I worked as an assistant to photographers and I worked in magazines in the photo department um, until I started doing freelance photography on my own. Uh, married that with the invention of social media and I slowly built a community of followers where I share my, my photography, I share my knowledge of photography, I share my life and my journey. And uh, we, in 2011, my husband and I started a commercial photography studio in New York City called Ann Street Studio, which was in the financial district. And we invented a new form of photography at the time called a cinemagraph, which is a living moment. It's uh, There's no beginning or end. It's just a perfectly suspended moment in time. And we've worked for we've done photography and videos and cinemagraphs for brands around the world from Cartier to Samsung and Netflix and Disney and I've worked for fashion brands like La Renta and Armani. So, we, we did a lot. We did a, a lot of living and I uh, started getting a bit tired and wondering if this is what there all there was to life. And I kept thinking about this little place in France that I loved. I had come for to do some photography for uh the art school in Savannah, SCAD. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, I need to take a year sabbatical and work on my personal work, on my art photography. So I didn't want to go to Paris because it was gonna be the same thing as New York City. And I just I just needed like space to breathe and to see colors. So Came down to Provence to a town called Apt. I rented an apartment from a couple Americans that I didn't know that would rent me their apartment for a year. I'd never been to Apt, I just showed up. And it all worked out, thankfully. And life, it transformed me in every way humanly possible that I didn't even know I needed. And at the end of the year, My husband and I kept saying, let's just stay one more month, one more month, one more month until it was Christmas time and we had to go home and say, okay, we'll take a break from France and we'll just kind of like assess what happened because we weren't expecting it to be life-changing. And we got back to the United States and we just couldn't wait to go back to France. It, It was the balance of life, the quality of life, the, you know, everything had changed. So now it has been four years living in the south of France and one baby later, and I've completely <laughs> transformed my photography career and our life. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> in a nutshell.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's really good. We, we get a sense of the, um, the arc there, the story. And uh, you went over there and um, just absolutely fell in love with, you say, the, the way of life, the the pace and so describe for us like what that especially that first year what was it like gosh this is really different this feels different can you articulate that a
0: little bit like
2: you know from shopping to cooking to whatever
0: well, it was pretty incredible. The first weekend I was here, the Saturday, there's a Saturday market in my village, which has been, if you ask one person, it has been going on for 900 years. If you ask another, they will say 2,000 years. So my village was <laughs> named, yeah, my village was named by Julius Caesar. It's named apt, and the way it translated at the time was a nice place to stop because it was on the Roman road between Rome and Spain, and it, um, we had our own little mini coliseum and you know, all these like incredible Roman ruins, which are like halfway buried underneath our village. So whenever they like do construction, they, they dig up all these amazing things. And we all go look in the hole and we go, cool. And then they cover it up with a potter. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> so, so I walk out and the Saturday market is going on, which is just like one of the delights of French culture. And I go around and I just, I don't, I'm used to New York City farmer's markets where everything is just astronomically expensive. So, and I don't speak French. So I go around and I get, I get out a few hundred euros and I pay for everything with $20 bills, or 20 euro bills, because I can't understand how much they are. And they kept giving me back so much change. And I realized (laughs) that, wow, this is really affordable food. I couldn't believe it. So I'm just not used to that. And so the next day was Sunday and I had no idea that things closed on sunday so i you know i'd bought some stuff at the market <laughs> for my dinner that night and then i wake up sunday morning and i go outside to go find some food and nothing's open and i was just oh my god it's just like mind blowing <laughs> to me so i had a little like quick learning curve into the the, the culture of it but then it was just so nice cuz i sat we have this little walled garden and i just sat there and, and on a sunday and and it was quiet and still and you could just like relax your shoulders, and the only thing you hear are the bell tolls. You don't hear cars. You don't you don't hear like hustle bustle, and you're like allowed space to breathe. And that was just a really impactful moment for me to like have have a place say it's okay to pause. It's okay to just enjoy sit in the garden and enjoy the air and the flowers and the weather and the light. And when you start becoming still you start noticing so much more around you that we take for granted it's like I I I always think of it as you stand in front of a field of wild wildflowers and you look at it and It looks like a field of wild wildflowers and if you stand there long enough you start to see it really come to life you start to see all the little creatures and bugs and bees and how they interact with each other and the petals that fall in the light how it changes and and that's kind of what happened to me with life is that France made me stop at the field and look at it. And then I could really start seeing all these incredible details that just come along with existing and being alive that I had taken for granted and I hadn't seen in so long.
2: Yes, that reminds me of um, one of the photographs on your um, Instagram feed of a, a woman looking at a, a field of poppies. That's me. (laughs) That's you.
0: Okay, that's you looking at the wildflower field. Yeah. So I do a lot of self portraits, and that field of poppies. That field of poppies has it's on the way to my favorite organic grocery store when it's not (gasps) a market day, and that field of poppies was so unbelievable that year. It's never been the same. And I could not stop thinking about it, so I rode my bike to that field to create that self-portrait, and it was just one of those moments where everything was perfect. The sky was perfectly blue, and the clouds were perfectly white, and the wind blew just right, and you know, et cetera, and the light. So, I, it's one of my favorite photographs that I've created in this place because it really feels—it feels like the magic that it is to stand in front of a field of poppies in Provence. Well, it really mm.
2: evoked the, um, you know, the Monet uh, paintings of his, his wife and child in, in the poppy right. fields. Um, right. I thought, oh, there you go. It's like that, there's that same magic, you know, that was a hundred and whatever years ago. And, and here it is, you know, right in our time. It was so beautiful. i just, you know, you really captured that, that,
0: and it came. You know, in, you, yeah. you mentioned the, the Monet and I used to go every week to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, as like a way to have therapy, like art therapy, and yeah. I would always go to the Impressionist wing and stand there and and look at the Cezans and the Van Goghs and the Monets, and I just loved them so much. And it was just this whole other world, right? Like, yeah. it, it, it's like looking mm-hmm. through a a piece of glass that was like not real. It was just so magical. And then I realized after living here long enough that they were just painting what they saw they were painting their lives and it's like yeah you get there and you're like oh yeah like (laughs) wow this is a real place it's magic we went to we went to St. Remy and we went to the asylum where Van Gogh lived before he died and we were standing there watching the olive groves that he painted so many times and it was a really windy day and my husband and I were just like yeah yeah, it looks like a Van Gogh painting. I see it. Yeah. I see it. <laughs> so that's been like just so thrilling just to know that these paintings are real. Like I find there's so much beauty and truth and so to now when you look at these and you see the truth and then you see how important an artist's vision is and in interpreting that through their their craft. It's just great. Yes, um, I have have you had a chance to visit Givernais? Uh. Mm. uh we did. We did go to Monet's garden. Yeah. Um but it was so – I want to go back. It was so crowded. It's like really yeah. difficult to like get in the right headspace. Yeah. So I, what I hear from Sharon Santorini, who does My French Country Home, is that if you are a photographer, you can get a permit to go before it opens to the public so you can do photographs. Which wow. So that's my I mean, new goal. Once Eloise gets a little bit older, mm-hmm. um, we can go up there and do that.
1: Something you said earlier um, – reminded me of yet yeah, something you said even earlier than that was kind of tying this idea um, that in France, just the, the divorce from the, from money and the things and all of that, and then being there uh, kind of appreciating the kinds of things that can take that place. When we, when we separate ourselves from those values, we're like just filled up with so much other like life living and magic and those things. Um, and something that I caught on to, I didn't learn this in a class or anything. I literally just picked this up from living um, with and amongst French people for so long. Um, They say, and I don't know if you've heard this expression too, maybe they don't say this in the South, but um, like if it's a nice day, a greeting as you're like leaving each other, like besides saying like au revoir or à bientôt, they might say profite, like profite du soleil, which is like profit like profit from this day. And, mm. um, and for a while I was like, what are they talking about? Like profiting. And then, um, and then I was, I remember very specifically rem- listening to one of my friends tell me a story about similar to the one you just told about the wildflower fields about going on a drive with her family and they were passing these fields and it was, the sun was perfect and it was a gorgeous day and they could not help, but just pull over the car and profite, and they got out cheese and bread oh, and they had a oh. little picnic with their kids because it was time to profit
0: oh I, <laughs> Don't lo- you I love that I have goosebumps I, I love know. that absolutely <laughs> so love it's like, that.
1: literally their understanding of profit yeah is like so different
0: <laughs> yeah it's so different and you know I think how beautiful is that but I I feel like they must always be enforcing this idea of of value amongst each other French person to French person and I and my right. perspective of American culture is our value is placed in our objects and our materialism and therefore you can never really feel happy you never really feel like you have enough because we're always showing each other what we have and there is a lot I don't I don't hope I didn't talk too too negatively about America because there's a, a lot of amazing wonderful things about america and american culture as well
1: no 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 i mean i think we could do a whole other episode on just not how one is not better than the other you know i mean there's a lot of frustrating things about being uh,
0: you know in france as an independent i mean mean, you can't get anything done in france no you're like United States. it's like if you want something done it's like okay now it's done immediately yeah here it's like well you have to submit some paperwork and you have to wait yeah
1: Can you talk a little bit more about how all of this, everything we've talked about, has impacted your work
0: specifically? Yeah, it's been I mean absolutely life-changing. So, you can't to get, you know, it's like I got to invest in in the talent I had. So, at the end of New York, I felt like I was showing up to client shoots and I was just pushing the button and I was like totally checked out in my brain. Like I wasn't there was no problem solving. And there was no, I wasn't digging in deeper. I was just going through the motions. And I hated that. And I, I needed to challenge myself. I needed to know that there was more to photography than just clicking the shutter and to be able to spend the time to invest in yourself, to be, to face vulnerabilities, to experiment, to, you know, I mean, I've shared the growth daily on Instagram of what I'm creating, and there are some things that I publish that is terrifying to publish, but I need to because I can't get to the next place in my mind and in my work without what you know, taking one step at a time. There's no shortcut in making great work. So, I've been I've had a, a really intense, intense four years going deeper into a place. That the further I go, the more I discover is left unknown to me. That I want to continue to, to push myself to, to create better, and you know, so it's been totally, it's just, it's totally life changing. And I look at photographs completely differently. I look at the purpose of photography completely differently. Um, yeah, I, how I just approach. Seeing the world and communicating that has been completely changed through this experience. You know, I don't. I would never now just like snap a picture, like just click a picture. You know, it's like I have to. I have to go to a much, a much deeper place. Like I feel like it's my duty to my purpose to do it justice and how I create it. For everyone because that's like the gift yeah. that I've been given I have to channel that for everybody yeah.
2: Some, something I see in um in your photographs that I think distinguish you from so so many others of the ones you see on social media and so forth is your use of symbolism um and I was I've been really impressed by that and I wanted to ask you and maybe this is somewhere in your blogs and so forth you've explained and pardon me if I I didn't see it but um you often do your self portraits with, with two women, and they're both you. And right. um, can you talk about that a little bit? I just think that's really fascinating. And especially with regards to the Arnolfini portrait, portrait uh, which I think was fascinating. I looked at that for a long time, comparing the two. And anyway, just talk about that a little
0: bit. <laughs> right. So, when I first came, a lot of the first year in Provence, especially, was about unwinding from new york and wanting from american mm-hmm. culture trying to like unmarry myself from uh the live script that i was on that i had been given that i had signed for myself and so this was a way of looking at myself to be able to see myself of who i was and who i identify with and who i was becoming and discovering about myself so a lot of these double portraits are a way of of studying trying to figure out who I am. You know, you have an identity that's so wrapped up in being a photographer in New York City or you know, being a woman, American woman and this is all unraveling and changing and and it's just it was just a way for me to be able to try to understand that and try to understand who I was and who I was becoming. That's that's the purpose of most of the double portraits. And then now, during the coronavirus pandemic, I did one again recently. I haven't done them in a while because we had Eloise, and, and this conversation in my mind has had shifted from trying to understand who I was to then be- becoming a mother, and that relationship with Eloise took over my work for a while. So I revisited Double Portraits during my isolation creation series that I started during the global pandemic, And this is one that was that was um, it was a conversation on the innocence I felt like we had that we didn't realize before this happened. And then the reality of the coronavirus in our life and what it will be like after. And it's and it's kind of those those two thoughts that I'm I'm dealing with on a daily basis turned into a photograph
2: yeah so I'm fascinated by that that idea of um what are you know what are we individually experiencing in this quarantine time and I'm sure that runs the whole gamut for as many individuals as there are there are that many experiences, but um personally um you know I've been asking myself what what am I learning from this, and what am I going to take from this forward and that's to me that's really. A really important piece to be working on during this time and um, are there some things that you feel like are coming out of this that you definitely want to take forward or or vice versa
0: Well, yeah, actually I would I, w- I would love to hear your answer for like I live in my brain all day long and I'll, and I'll give you my answer but I would love to hear yeah. like what what you're taking from it and what is going to be different for you when we come out of this
2: Yes, well, I, you know, uh, I like to write. I like to read. Uh, uh, all those things I've done my whole life, and here I am. I'm 63 years old, and and through this this project I've been doing with Emma over the last three and a half years, um, really discovering um, new things in myself and new creative ways that I want to grow. So a lot of that's like been really kind of cerebral up until now, and we've we've just r- written this. L- we just published this little book, the lady farmer God to slow living. And I talk in there a lot about, you know, working on your spaces, the space where you live. And it's not about, you know, where you live or it's more about how you feel, how your spaces make you feel. And I Mm -hmm. think during this last month, five going on six weeks now, um, I've been really, really honed in on that. And I've done a lot of it before. It's been, since we moved out to the farm, like almost eight years ago now, I feel like I've been working on that a lot, but I'm taking it to a new, new level about the objects around me and what is in my spaces mm. and how they make me feel. And um, I, I, you know, I keep thinking, no, I should be writing, I should be working on that next book, but no, I've been really digging into the stuff and really examining um, too many objects, just too many objects, right. and I really <laughs> want to, to have less objects and more headspace and we live on a little farm Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of chores and there's animals and they need to be fed and taken care of and we have a big garden and there's all these things so there's a lot of tasks a lot of tasks and so it's been examining which tasks feed me and which tasks drain me and um, yeah yeah so it's that that's I think that's my even though I would have told you oh I'm gonna I'm gonna write the next novel or something it's been more about that for me no it
0: sounds <laughs> like you're, you're you're cleaning house like you're, you're yes. minimizing your mm-hmm. space you're in your cleaning house in your head as well so you're setting it up for whatever comes next really yes for sure for sure it just feels like that I'm cl- yeah
1: and I feel similarly to you mom though with my with my schedule um So, Jamie, I live in D.C., like in the city, and my parents are about an hour outside on a farm. And so and I'm definitely more the I like the urban life.
0: I like all of the excitement. I like I love Washington, D.C., Um, the food and the architecture. I love it.
1: Yeah, it's actually you know what's interesting. Um, it was designed by Lafayette, the same guy, who, or L'Enfant, the same guy who did Paris. So it feels very oh, European. Um, I love and that. yeah, when I when I realized that, I was like, oh, <laughs> I like this. Um, but I am super good at just packing my schedule so full, and I love people so much, and I would consider myself generally extroverted. So I will always put other people and social things kind of above you know whatever else like my own stuff you know can can happen later on my own time um which I ultimately end up siphoning off anyway so I've learned a big lesson too about time and of course clutter mom oh my gosh everything you're saying I need to do the same thing in my apartment but I think for me the most kind of um like really has hit me like a ton of bricks how relieved I am to not have anything in my calendar and how scared I am of that just like filling back up again,
0: um, mm. so that's been really that's been interesting for me, um, right? I I did notice how nice it was to know that everyone was also at home, like. Yes. That it's not because I feel like we always have all these options of you could go to these mm-hmm. restaurants or yeah. go on a like, drive somewhere. You know, it's never-ending amount of options, and to have all the options removed and to also know no one else has options was really a nice <laughs> relief.
1: Yes, I do suffer from yeah. a lot of FOMO, <laughs> which is probably why I'm overextend myself. But yeah, this
0: is like such a—it's a break from that. It's so nice. Right, it's nice. <laughs> So I can to answer answer your question as far as going forward, how this has affected me and what I will change about my life. One of the biggest lessons I've taken from this is how important freedom is, especially in my creative work. And when it when the coronavirus first happened, I lost all of my commercial work for the rest of the year, and I didn't know how I was going to make my living. And that feeling was terrifying and I never want to feel that way ever again so part of why we started the isolation creation I say week is my my husband designed the site and he's customer service dad when, I, when anyone who emails so right one of the reasons we started the hashtag isolation creation project is because I needed to take that power back and get rid of the fear so we launched the project. I committed to making one piece of art every single day while in confinement. And we launched a store where I could sell affordable art to people who could then support me as an artist. And in turn, I'm donating 10% of my profits to a charitable foundation who is supporting artists whose exhibitions and performances were canceled because of COVID-19. So moving forward, I don't ever want to be in the position I was when this happened because we didn't, it all happened so quickly and we never know what the next thing is that's going to happen to us. So my husband and I are trying to figure out a way to be smarter and that's, you know, buying, buying a place to live so we don't have to worry about astronomical rent prices, you know, buying my studio, like making commitments that could then make security for ourselves so we're never in a position where we feel like we're going to be homeless. Because of something mm-hmm. so that's going to be a big change that's going to happen when we come out of this for me yeah more self-sufficient I think uh, a lot of people
1: are feeling that right in so many ways <laughs> how right. much we depend on
2: yeah. things that are so far out of our control there are two things that are jumping out at me from from my list of thoughts about this interview one of the thing is is like for the for our audience like Anybody could be out there saying, like, "Well, I can't move to France, uh, so there, you know, this this is not for me." I would like you to speak to um, how you can, um, you know, transform your life, even even if you can't move. You know, wherever you are, you could be somewhere in the Midwest in a tiny town, and 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 reinvent your life and and feel feel the way that you want to feel more or at least work towards that feeling of your life. So that's one thing. And then the other thing I really want you to touch on is um, a statement you made that really jumped out at me from one of your blogs, the one where you were getting ready to leave Provence the first time. You said, I feel physically part of the earth here. Mm -hmm. Um, That really, to me, spoke so profoundly because that is, just really, really spoke to me on a very
0: deep Mm -hmm. level.
1: Yeah, I think kind of looping it back to your first question, I would just love you to talk about that that shift we we feel our mission and our purpose to kind of empower and usher women into growing closer to themselves and their community and the earth and all these things and and it's all about shifts and taking little shifts and like what my mom my parents did 5 years ago buying the farm that seems like a big shift and what you did you know moving your whole life to provence that's a huge shift And it's it's a beautiful story to tell, and it's amazing. But we also like to talk about the little shifts that can happen that don't have to seem like, you know, they're huge moves, but they're transformative.
0: Um, Right. Right. Well, first I have to say there is no can't in my vocabulary. I believe if you have a dream, any dream, big or small, there is a way. There's always a way. There's always a way. So. I may be able to be in Provence because I had a successful photography career. Well, that was just my path. But if I didn't have that, maybe I would sign up to go to school somewhere. Maybe I would do some sort of exchange program. Like there's just, there are so many different ways to approach something. If you have a dream, you just have to take the first step. It's always about taking the first step. Now, you don't have to move halfway around the world to have it be significant. I mean, I think we ignore our internal thoughts a lot. And part of the reason that my work has grown so much since living in Provence is because I've learned how to listen to myself as a artist and a mother and a woman and hear the internal dialogue and hear what my gut is saying that it wants to do and I think you could be sitting in the United States and what, you know, maybe you think about this little garden that you wish you had. Well, then do that. Why don't you do that? Or do you, maybe you always wanted to know how to paint. Well, now you can just watch YouTube tutorials on how to do that. Like you, you can just listen to yourself and you'll find what it is that you're really interested in and what you really should be doing with your time and give yourself that opportunity to do these little things and just do them one little step at a time. Don't, don't think I want to learn how to paint, but I'll never be Monet. So I shouldn't start like, no, just do the first, the first step. What, you know, look up the YouTube video on how to get started and then just take the first step. And then the next step, you know, so maybe it's even cooking. Like what, you know, what do you wish you knew how to do? So I think, I think it's, it's, there's the big stuff, which is listening to your gut that will cause you to leave your life and move into a whole new life. But that can also be the same little voice that can affect your everyday, everyday little habits. You just have to learn mm. to listen. That's so beautiful. Do you, do you like meditate or anything? I don't. I mean, my meditation is really when I'm working. Like I, cause like, I play yeah. my, you know, I have my my playlist and it's very medita- meditative for me and, and that's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really go to a place that's very calming and and peaceful. Mm -hmm. My husband used to do it when we lived in New York City, and he's like, "We got we moved to France." He's like, "I don't have to meditate anymore." I'm like, "I know, (laughs) it's great." (laughs) (laughs) So, talk about um,
2: your statement. I feel physically part of the earth here. I just think that's just so moving. Well, that's and speaks to me. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: love that. I love that. I love that you found this and that it touched you though where it's coming from is in United States we have all these modern day conveniences that really keep us detached from nature and they're and they're wonderful air conditioning central air and cars that take us places it's like it's fabulous you never have to deal with the outside world you never deal with mother nature and I didn't really realize that and I moved to this apartment that has nothing, like no heat and air conditioning. It's nothing. So I lived with the windows open, I would say 80%, like the French doors, 80% of the year was open. And when it was cold, I was cold. And when it was hot, I was hot. And I just, I started to To breathe and live within mother nature. And then I was digging around in the dirt, finding things to photograph and going out into the countryside. And, and I was eating the food from the place that I lived. So everything went from a global landscape where I lived in a little bubble of protection and comfort to, I was living, breathing, eating and drinking from the same piece of earth. And I just, it really felt like i Turned into my feet turned into roots and they went into the ground here because it was absolutely what I became made of in that first year. So that is um, that's where that statement and sentiment came from. Oh,
2: you know, the scientists would say you integrated your local microbiome.
0: <gasps> I <did. laughs> a, oh, I love that in a very deep way. I love that. You know, I also <laughs> yeah. like I stopped like you know I didn't. I stopped getting manicures and I only wash my hair once a week. So like I really did work on my, was it my, my micro? Microbiome. 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 <laughs> I like really cultivated it.
2: And you feel, you feel like literally a spiritual connection to your oh, place. Oh, absolutely. And you know what a what a privilege, uh, you know what, and and what a rare thing in the twenty first century, and and what a wonderful message, like wherever
0: you live, you can do this. You could you can do yeah, this absolutely you live absolutely, and I think people really don't understand or don't realize how wonderful. Feeling the air is like you think it's hot or cold or, or raining, that's bad, but it's actually just wonderful to feel the changes over your skin. And sometimes it changes quickly, and sometimes it changes very slowly over time. And then you realize, and I just it makes you feel alive, totally alive. And it's absolutely wonderful. And I don't think people really, really see that anymore. And it's right there. All I have to do yes. is turn off everything and open the window or walk outside and sit outside <laughs> for the day, you know.
2: So true. I know, and the the whole thing about the uh, the climate control, the air conditioning, and heating, and um, yeah, we're all you know just kind of sealed up in our in our little capsules. And that happened, well, especially with the air conditioning over what the last sixty, seventy years. I don't know exactly how long, but um, that's the same amount of time that so many of our chronic diseases have escalated. Oh, how interesting in, is that yeah yeah and it also coincides with you know the the chemicals in the food you know the indust the growth of the industrial food system and all all these things it's all just really huge and no one can really point to one thing and say this is why we're unhealthy this is why we're unhealthy and the answer is probably that it's a combination of things but that's a really big one that we could disconnected ourselves from our our natural environment and you know everything from the air food water uh just contact with the earth everything. Right. And like you go to one of these places, it doesn't doesn't seal you up like that like we do in our bigger cities and and your body literally transforms. It's not just in your head, it's not just the way you feel or your perception. It's literally your body. It's literally your microbiology has shifted. So, right. um a little bit of science to add to that.
0: I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes, it's great. It's not I mean, just it's in just my really- head, it's, it's science. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in your, it's it's in your gut. It's yeah. totally, yeah. I feel so spoiled because we are here during this quarantine and we get, I mean, yeah. we're in surrounded heaven. by farmers. <laughs> we're like, like all yeah. of our food comes from right here and it's just unbelievable. It's just so delicious. And I just feel so, so, so blessed.
1: I was going to say what's hilarious is like, so are we, and we're in Washington DC and people don't realize that we're also surrounded by farmers. <laughs> Farmers, we're just so disconnected from it because we yeah. have, as you said also in one of your blogs, like the logos just everywhere in our faces that distract us from what really is like right next to us.
0: Right. Oh, I can't. Yeah. I, I have panic attacks when we go back to the United States now, like walking into Whole Foods. It's the, the yeah. overwhelming choices I, I get paralyzed and i can't make a choice and then just the fact that you don't see the food you only see the logos even on the fresh produce it just like mm-hmm. it, to me it's now mind-boggling yeah. like why are you putting a a sticker brand name on an orange like it's just an orange <laughs> what does it need <laughs> to be anything know.
2: else we eat almost almost exclusively locally and like as emma said Anybody could do that. Anybody that was paying attention could do it, but it's just off the radar. It's so frustrating. It would be so
0: much better for our world, too, if we all just eat what was around us. And it's just better for your psychology, yeah. too. I mean, there's nothing more wonderful than when the first strawberries come in the spring and when the peaches come in the summer. Yeah. And if we had it all year round, it'd be like if it was always Christmas every day, which we, you stop caring. It's like it's wonderful to look forward to these foods all year. And it really like it just it feels you, again, you just feel alive.
1: Even, even not the fresh fruits and vegetables that are like obviously only in season at certain times, but even have you noticed there are like bakery items that they only make at certain times of the year, yes. like the, like my um, favorite the lemon meringue pie. <laughs> yes, yes, and the and the king cake that they make around Epiphany, yes. which like they literally could make that any time, but they only make it in what is that like February? Um, and I just remember like getting so excited when the gâteau de Roi would like come out. Exactly, uh, it's just so. It's like this it's the respect between time and like substance. I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words, but it really is so much better for your psychology, as you said, and just connecting to what's around you.
0: It's really basic little things to get to look forward to. Like we're we're Mm -hmm. depriving ourselves of that in America with um you think it's wonderful to have everything in the world available to you, but it's actually more wonderful just to have these little pleasures and delights to be like, Oh, Blueberries, how wonderful, mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's because, you
2: know, as a nation, as a culture, we're young, you know, we're young. Oh, we're, young. Like, we're like a young person, a young person that has to experience something to realize that the other thing actually had a purpose. You know, you like you have to leave home to come home, right. that, that kind of thing. Right. And so maybe we're in a stage culturally where we're, you know, we've had everything we wanted at any point, any season. All these things have been in our fingertips. Just go out and get whatever you want anytime. And now the whole country and the world is experiencing this thing where you can't do right. that. And maybe some people are making this discovery. Hey, you know, a, a friend of mine, a quick story, a friend of mine, um, uh, someone brought her some things from Costco recently, and she said I was looking at these, these kiwis and these things that are from another part of the world and out of season, and suddenly it looked very strange. <laughs> and she said, I, "Yeah, and it, it just didn't even appeal to her anymore." I thought, what a great example, because you know we've been eating just what's around us, so. Right. Um, Uh, it's it's a fascinating topic there's just so many things to talk about and this oh this has been so much fun it's been really it's
0: been really so nice talking to you guys you so you're very calm and really nice
1: um jamie before we go can you i I don't you've probably already touched on it but um you're just so eloquent and wonderful with words can you tell us what you want people to most understand about you and the work that you do
0: Wow, that's like at you like end with a heavy hitting question. <laughs> wow, uh, oh God, I mean, really, what my wor- all of my work and the way I try to live my life now is about is really about the beauty that is around us all every day and is universal. It is not about what you can afford. Or, what privilege you have in life. It is the joy in a rain shower and the thrill of asparagus at the market and the way the leaves come with the apples and these things, these things, flowers in the garden, flowers on a walk in the country, these things that you can enjoy and that will make your life better if you do. That is what my work is about. And I just, I hope. I hope that's how I'm remembered at the end when my breath of photography is done, that I tried to show the world what was good about it.
1: Well, we hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. Um, The good news is that you can get to know Jamie even more through her beautiful art, specifically this Isolation Creation series that she talked about. Um, I'm not exactly sure how long these pieces will be available for sale. I think she is announcing at some point this week, but I do know that they're going to be temporary. So if you want to look at them and perhaps even purchase one or two to kind of commemorate this time, um, I think that's a beautiful Way to commemorate it. If you haven't seen them yet, you're in for a treat. So check them out. She has a hashtag, Isolation Creation Series, on Instagram. That's kind of everyone who is following along with her and participating and creating things every day. Um, her Instagram is Jamie Beck, and her website is jamiebeck.co, and you can find everything there. We also want to mention that our May book club meeting is happening. On Thursday, May 28th. So that's in two weeks. And we're reading Dawn Again by Donna Uh Check out last week's podcast episode for our interview with her. And um, definitely please join us for our book club meeting if
2: you're interested. You don't have to have finished the book. That's it for this week. But before we go, I just want to say um, I've been thinking how much we enjoy these podcasts There's so much fun to record. It's so much fun to reach out to creative, inspiring people. And I've learned so much. And both of us are discovering all these aspects of slow living through talking to all these different people. And especially about how good dirt is more than just good dirt. It's fertile soil in our culture and in our own hearts and in individuals for growing ideas and perspective, and inspiration, all to shift the paradigm into whatever's coming next. So listen and enjoy. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. And please, if you are enjoying this podcast, go in and write a review. It will help other people find it and encourage them to listen as well. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time.
1: Follow us at We Are Lady Farmer on Instagram. Find us on Facebook, Lady Farmer, and you can email us at The Good Dirt Podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. you like listening to the good dirt? I hope you do because you're here listening to it and are you looking for more good dirt in your life and a community of slow living enthusiasts to connect with all while supporting your favorite sustainable living podcast? Well, we're so excited to offer the almanac it's our private slow living community network where we share workshops activities articles essays recipes and so much more that align with
2: our community's sustainable slow seasonal way of living as a member you'll have access to information sharing and discussions on numerous topics of interest through online threads and frequent live virtual gatherings Members receive access to a virtual community of hundreds of other slow-living enthusiasts, as well as Almanac-exclusive events, workshops, recipes, playlists, online gatherings, and a book club. We offer seasonal activities and ongoing discussions on a variety of topics to guide you on your slow-living journey. Also included is 10% off the Lady Farmer Marketplace year-round. Numerous resources and more, and discounted Lady Farmer events, including... The Slow Living Retreat. As a Good Dirt listener,
1: we are excited to offer you 20% off your monthly membership and three months free, which is basically an entire season, if you sign up for the year. So go ahead and go to ladyfarmer.com slash community to sign up with this special offer just for Good Dirt listeners. Yay! That's ladyfarmer.com slash community to sign up for 20% off a monthly membership of The Almanac three months free if you sign up for an entire year. That's ladyfarmer.com slash community.